0: Hi listeners, welcome to the Rice Series by Melting Pot in collaboration with India's largest Urban Network of Public-Private Partnership Schools, Akanksha. With 30 years of serving over 9,800 students from low-income communities, Akanksha now runs 21 government schools in Pune and in Mumbai. With a focus on quality education and holistic development, Akanksha is not only expanding its school network, but it is also reaching out widely and influencing changes in the educational space. We at Melting Pot are privileged to share Akanksha's impact on various levels of the education ecosystem through our RISE series, and we're happy to share with you some such resilient, independent, strong, and educated women from Akanksha. I'd like to thank the founder Shaheen Mistry and the leadership team of Akanksha to come on board for RISE, presenting Season 6 of Melting Pot. Hi, everyone. I am now in conversation with Chinmaya Potnis Chinmaya is a Teach for India fellow and she is very closely connected with the Akanksha Foundation. I'm going to hear from her and we're all going to hear from her what um, it is that her association with the Akanksha Foundation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chinmaya. Thank you so much for having me. I am really looking forward to this conversation. (laughs) Okay, so... To start with, just tell the viewers, the listeners and me more about yourself and your uh, journey with Akanksha and also how did... Teach for India and what is Teach for India and how did that sort of, how did you come to become a fellow of Teach for India?
1: So I, I mean, went through the traditional formal schooling system, but it was sometime during my graduation in Ferguson College at Pune that I heard about Teach for India, the fellowship. And and at that time, it was more like a teaching fellowship. That's what it sounded like. And because I was doing nothing related to teaching at that point, I didn't think it was the right thing for me. I thought I, I needed a little more orientation about education and teaching in general. More or less, I was a little clueless after my graduation in life sciences. I, I wasn't very sure what I'd like to pursue. And I thought, you know, Teach for India is something that I should consider. But because like I said, I had no background, I thought maybe doing a bachelor's in education, a B.Ed might help. And during that time, BA used to be a one-year course. So it did not seem like a very long time
0: to do something yeah. that would
1: not take me somewhere. Which is why I did my BA from SNDT University. And then I applied for the fellowship in 2012. And that's how I got into the fellowship. And I think since then, I have been associated with TFI as well as with the Akamsha Foundation. My first year of fellowship was a fifth grade classroom in a semi-private school in Pune. And I think my first year of fellowship was very, very different from my second year of fellowship, largely because Akanksha, along with the government, was opening the school that I work at right now, which is the Acharya Vinoba Bhave School, which was the first standalone secondary school in the city of Pune at that time. And I did not wish to change my school of fellowship, but I, I wanted to be associated as a member of this school. I thought it was very exciting to see how a school gets started, how it's built up and and the very fact that it was a standalone secondary school. But I think one thing led to the other. And I found myself in this school in the second year of fellowship. And that's when I realized what the fellowship could possibly do. Being at a semi-private school, just being a fellow by myself for a couple of months and then having another fellow and just kind of two of us being people thinking very differently from the rest of the network in the school looked very very different as opposed to being in an Akanksha school that had every individual sort of directed towards a similar mission with similar values with similar principles and I think that really laid the foundation for me to have a perspective around, you know, what's so challenging, what's, what is the kind of change that's required, and also gave me an opportunity to think about what my role in all of this could be like. So I continued with the school even post my fellowship, which was the Akanksha Foundation School, for about three to four years, post which I I moved from the role of an English teacher for secondary grades into the school leader's role. And that's where I am at right now. This is my fourth year as a school leader. And I think the journey has just been full of learning. I think there's not been a single day where I haven't felt like I have learned something new or there's been a spark to think about something differently. I think there hasn't been a single day like that.
0: So what exactly does the
1: role of a school leader mean? So the school leader role is largely synonymous with the school principal in layman's term. So that's what it looks like. Because ours is a standalone secondary school, we have grade 8, grade 9 and grade 10. And I'm more like the school principal, the school administrator for the school and and a lot of decision making, a lot of goal setting, a lot of administrative work as well as a lot of teacher professional development, a lot of orientation for parents, for communities, looking at youth development perspectives and opportunities for our students, balancing that out with academic achievement and also in turn, looking at my growth and my potential as a leader to be able to lead and keep inspiring a team of about 22 people is, is what my role looks like. Okay, and how
0: many students do you have, currently Currently at the school, we have grades eight to 10, and we have about 250 students. Okay, so that's quite a large, large number of students. And so, are you also involved in obviously the, you know, once the students are done with the 10th grade exam, then for, you know, for you to then kind of move them to the next level typically do these students go to another akansha school which has an 11th and 12th grade or what i mean what really happened
1: so they are with us through grade 8 to 10 and that is i mean very little time quite honestly like three years just fly by and because we don't know these students before grade eight it is very very challenging so a lot of time is invested in just setting culture and getting to know the students and their families just just some okay. them do most of the students come from the Akanksha network of schools? No. Okay. So no, none of them come from the Akanksha network. We have feeder schools that we've identified in the similar area, which is the paid area in Pune. So we have two feeder schools, which are English medium private schools that continue up to grade seven, and then the students from these schools come to our school in grade eight. So that's that's how we have a rolling admission just from these two schools as of now so none of them are Akanksha students but they may have been Teach for India students because Teach for India fellows have been deployed in government English medium schools as well so they may have had intervention either in grade seven or maybe in grade five or six at some point in time okay so sorry I interrupted
0: you but so you were saying that because they are with you for such a short period
1: of time grade eight yes. to get them to adapt, yeah, adjust- yeah. Absolutely. So I think uh, we have, like, we've curated our goal and our focus, not just to look at academic achievement as a piece, but to really look at what it means to be an AVBS graduate what life after 10th grade can look like because it's a sudden you know it's more like being thrown out into the deep sea for a lot of kids without having the right values without having the right mindset without having the right kind of direction to what they might want to do so we start that work right from grade eight when they come to us we run something called the advisory program which happens for every single child what that essentially means is every single adult in the school is an advisor and each advisor has about 15 to 18 children along with them which belong to the same grade level and the advisory structure is more like a second home for our children. It looks at not just things like developing study habits or values but also really fostering dialogue, looking at problem solving, looking for a space of expression and essentially what we're we're trying to do is having at least one adult advocate for every child which they may or may not have back at home and We think that having that one role model, one adult in school is more like an anchor for what might happen post grade 10. Most times we try and keep the same advisor for a specific child until grade 10. Sometimes it doesn't allow us, uh, but most times we try to do that. So this advisor, along with the alumni team that Akanksha has, which is a separate department, looks at things like admissions post grade 10, or career counseling during the period of grade 8 to 10, or looking at scholarships for students post grade 10, uh, looking at any kind of opportunities that might allow them to do internships or shadow a specific professional in a specific field. So there are all sorts of programs that are mixed up, allowing different students to pick and choose from. And this advisor more often often than not, we've seen students fall back to, even after they, you know, have moved out of school, maybe two or three years later. And I think that's always been the core for us. Okay, yeah, that's, that's,
0: you know, allows consistency in in a student's life. And I think that's, that's very, very important. So it's not hand holding, but it's giving a sense of direction and purpose to the student. Yeah, no, that's quite interesting. So Any little stories about some students that have really, really stood out for you and, you know, where you feel you and the team within the school feels really proud of the fact that just within the two years, there's been such a sea change in a particular student who's gone out to achieve X, Y, or Z.
1: Any any couple of stories like that that you could share? I think there have been several. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there's so much that's so inspiring about every child and and there have been successes of different kinds that have been like the smaller ones, which might be behavior changes and change of perspective and change of, you know, just how you might look at something. And then there have been the bigger changes, which could be admissions to specific reputed colleges and stuff like that. But I think if I were just to summarize it and try and pick maybe one, it would be somebody called Namrita khan Velkar, who has been our student from the first batch in 2013. And Namrita was one of our first few students to get into UWC colleges. And she studied at Teach for Armenia. And I've, I've had the privilege of being with her. At UWC. UWC, right? Correct. Yeah, I've actually, I spoke to her last night. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. And she's graduating from the US on the 29th. Uh, I think it's It's just a nice sort of an example that we often share even with our newer kids and their parents for what's possible. I think another one even from Namruta's batch is another one called Ruby who's chosen a very non-conventional stream. She's always been a fabulous artist with fine arts and she went ahead to just pursue that both in her 11-12th and she's also actually been coming back to our school to conduct clubs for our children who are in school until last year when the physical setup was on and she did she was an art teacher with our students two days a week she'd come and teach them and just last year she even had the opportunity to host her paintings at an exhibition in Pune and I think that is quite brave because it's not a very conventional route for a lot of children and even more for somebody who's not been very privileged very under-resourced but to pursue that to look at opportunities that would help her fine-tune that I think that was wonderful as well.
0: Nice. That's, that's an, an interesting. And I think, like I've been saying, that all the students that I've been talking to, every single one of them has such an inspiring story. And what amazes me is this sense of, you know, confidence and the ability to be able to... and And actually, like one of them even said to me, you know... To be illiterate and to be not educated are two different perspectives. And she was referring to her parents. And you know, I mean, small little details like the ones that I've been I've been hearing in the in the past couple of weeks that I've been talking to the students is so, you know, it, it kind of gives you a sense of pride and a sense of you know the fact that anything is possible you just have to have the right direction which comes you know from what Akanksha is offering all the students last self-belief you know and clarity and I think all of that sums up a lot of alumni and even your current students that I've been talking to and yeah. um And I think um, the Kanksha Foundation needs to be really, really proud of the kind of, because education is the key. And it's not just education that is book learning and taking exams. It's the overall growth of an individual, which I think all of you as leaders are contributing to and making a difference. And, And the work continues. I think that's that's the key. So, you know, you were mentioning a little while ago about this student coming to school for art classes when it was physical school. But everyone, you know, is now talking about how, especially in India, it's been how long since kids have not been able to go back to school. So, you know, to physically go into classrooms. And, and I think grades nine to Eight, nine, and 10 are quite crucial because they are like, like you said, you know, it's, it's they're pretty in between, and it's almost like, okay, they're going to be pushed out into two very important years. So, how have you managed? your students and what have you done differently, which has encouraged your students to not drop out of school and have encouraged them, have given them a mental uh, balance, you know, and how have you paved a way for them to adapt to this new way of learning. You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Kyle, on this very unique and special podcast series,
1: Melting Pot. So it's been over a year now, I think mid-March is when we stopped going to school. And I think like many people, our, our immediate response was assuming that we'd come back soon uh, we were actually planning for our end of year showcase which happened at the end of April so we still didn't have that kind of expectation that this would go on for that long but I think with time we also thought of ways that that could be more sustainable. So we were okay to go slow, but to prioritize certain things that we know for a fact worked in our physical setup. We didn't want to do away with those. And therefore, I think the immediate response was to find a way to still stay stay connected with our students. Because the school was the space that no matter what, you would get to see the child and you know that communication is happening. But the moment schools shut, I think we had to find an alternative. And using WhatsApp was not really something that we did initially. In fact, WhatsApp was a more informal ways of communication when the physical setup was on. So I think as a team, we transitioned into that really quickly, prioritizing our students, their community well-being and staying connected. Once we felt like we were in a better place with that, we had basic procedures of communicating. We looked at things that will help our students want to stay engaged with learning. So it didn't make sense to really think about how do I introduce something really new or how do I look look at syllabus coverage or things like that. That was not really a priority. It was more around being home, knowing the kind of homes our children come from, knowing the kind of responsibilities they might have now or the the general atmosphere that might be there in the community, what is going to allow our children to still feel like they want to stay connected with school or still feel like they might want to learn something so I think that approach continues even now we kind of phased out the introduction of even newer apps and things like that so though we went from whatsapp to then google classroom and then to more complicated ways of using zoom and breakout rooms we didn't want to burden our children and we wanted to continue that that space where children will feel excited like it wouldn't get mundane after a point of time alongside i think it was also really important for us to balance out the teacher expertise because our teachers and our team were the people who are going to drive this and we needed everyone to be on board and this was something that was totally new to every single teacher like we have been using technology in school but but not the way that we use it right now right i mean that by back then it was a choice now it's not so yeah. i think that that transition was like huge, but we tried to scaffold that as well. We identified certain team members who were a lot more enth- enthusiastic, a lot more skilled at using technology. Looking at how they could go ahead and create core teams and engage other members, and I think that also took some time. So I feel like it was a combination of learning for both students and teachers, and and that spirit really helped because we kept highlighting that it's it's not something that we're already good at, even for our children. So. We We did have even children volunteer and teach other children or help out a teacher, especially if they were not technologically as quick, and that just helped everyone come together a lot more. You know, not not to look at it as somebody who is imparting something to someone out of the blue, but really looking at it as a collective way of learning, a new way of schooling, so to say. I think where we are at right now, we're also looking at how do we continue driving excellence because I think right now we are thriving, we're doing well, but. I feel like we can push ourselves to really curate some excellent examples of what's possible because now the, the foundation has been laid right we know what works we know what doesn't work i think it's it's for us to just build better and build more forward a little more differently and to do away with some of the things that could be more cumbersome and not really yielding to more productive learning
0: yeah yeah that's that's interesting and you know it And obviously, you've seen what didn't work and what is working. And then based on that, you're you're taking it further. Have you had any cases of students who've actually dropped out of school because, like you mentioned, you know, because of the environment at home hasn't been conducive or they they haven't had the headspace because you know it's very different when you are with with your peers around you the kind of energy that you absorb from that is very different from when you're you know in a in a room with five members of your family and you have nowhere else to go and they you know so have you had any cases where children have dropped out no
1: we've not had any dropout cases though so we've had certain hurdles and certain not so great times with certain children like you said because needs changed and especially for larger families and our kids being older there has been pressure from the family to, to contribute to the financial means so we've had specifically boys in grade nine who, who we kind of had to bring back on track because we got to know that they had started going out with their parents either to sell things uh, you know just help out with whatever that their parents might have been doing but I think fortunately because we continued with things like the advisory structure we were able to tap these things much more quickly right and it, it wasn't merely finding a way to financially support the family but also really having conversations having dialogue because it is I mean just to look at it from the child's perspective you are living in a house where you can see your basic needs are not met so what right does it give you to sit in front of a tab and continue studying so I think just to get into those shoes and understand that and then to try and see the bigger picture that was something that we had to work with both as teachers and as school counselor so we have had cases like that and I'm sure we'll see more going forward because the times are tough and 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 children want are doing this for the benefit of their families I mean it's not coming from a space of I don't want to study but more about what is my immediate need right now So, yeah, we've had those kinds of cases.
0: Are you looking at, because currently, from what I understand, yours is the only secondary school, right? At Akamsha, yes. At Akamsha. So, are you looking at, do you feel that you're up to capacity and maybe you need to add on another secondary school at Akamsha? Is that something that is being thought in Pune? I
1: don't think so because all the other schools are full, school, right? Either K to 10 or in the process of getting to. 10th grade right the school was started more looking at the need because there were no secondly secondary English medium government schools back then right they ended at grade 7 in Pune and which is why a lot of Teach for India kids especially who had been intervened with until grade 7 it made no sense because the dropout rates would suddenly just shoot up right people would either go to Marathi medium schools not be able to cope up and then drop out or go to private schools not be able to pay fees and then drop out and a very small percentage would actually actually get into another fee-paying English medium school so I don't I think the the structure was more emerging out of a need back then as opposed to wanting to start more standalone secondary schools.
0: Wow I mean again just listening to you listening to that the passion the the clarity on what needs to be done what is being done what is the need of the hour how the students are being looked after in a very holistic way, I think, and at such a crucial jun- juncture, which is from grades eight to 10, I think is, is phenomenal. Thank you so much, Chinmaya. I've really enjoyed talking to you and listening to you. And I hope, you know, all the listeners and the viewers get inspired. And is you also, I mean, are there volunteering opportunities, are there internship opportunities for students from outside of Pune or even from other countries who could, you know, come and do an internship at your school specifically?
1: Absolutely, I think Akanksha encourages volunteers and, and we keep needing volunteers. I mean, we need more hands and deck. There is so much to do. There is such little time and I think volunteers also bring in a lot of diversity. Sometimes it's nice to have somebody from outside and give you a little bit of a perspective. So, we, we're always welcome. I think just visiting the website might help and somebody who's interested could enroll themselves as a volunteer great I'm sure there are lots of people listening out there and you know
0: when life comes back to a little bit of normalcy I'm sure you know you will hear from and especially college going students or you know and there's some schools at international schools outside of India who do have that requirement and I know that yeah. Singapore, I know also the UWC, for example, there are students who are associated with a and and they have done, have had initiatives and done fundraising and all of that. So, so yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's out there for whoever is listening and watching this interview. Thank you once again so much. And I think you are enriching the lives of the younger generation, hoping for them to have a better future. And I think that is so important. So thank you. I think it's been a learning experience for me as well. So likewise. (laughs) Yeah, I can
1: imagine. But, you know, it it must be so fulfilling for you, right? It is. and, And I'm so glad I get to experience that. I think there can't be anything better than just feeling so you know inspired all the time I think that's the right word I think it's a perfect combination of challenge and opportunity and it's hard to balance those but I, I think a Akamsha gets you to feel that and the learning yeah because yeah I mean it's just
0: every experience is a new learning right so yep it's a new learning for me as well thank you so much thank you. and um, I, like I've been saying I hope to see you in person one day sure definitely thank you all right then bye for more weekly conversations do listen to melting pot on spotify apple and google podcasts follow us on youtube and on instagram at podcast melting pot so until the next episode this is Pyle signing off